Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. It's the show that Brian, uh, that uh, Donald Trump calls overrated and on its last legs. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6.06. A lot to get to tonight. Going to be a fun show. Man, oh man, did you hear what Brian Burke said today down in old Cowtown? Well, if you haven't, you will hear it. He was uh, running his mouth about the Calgary Arena Project, or should we say the lack of of it speaking at a business luncheon today in Calgary said some stuff that upset some people we will get to that as Edmonton can now look at other cities going through arena deals and saying oh my poor you we know what you're going to be going through Eskimos getting ready to take on the Calgary Stampeders on Sunday preseason action on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium 3:30 pregame show here on 6:30 Chad the game will start at 5 and the story today Eskimos quarterback will for that game give up his number 13 which previously has been worn or had been worn by Larry Highbaugh, one of the all-time greats for the Eskimos, won six Grey Cups in green and gold, passed away in the age of Mar- at the age of 67 in March. So Riley will wear number zero on Sunday, leaving 13 vacant for that game. It was during CFL week in Regina that I started talking to, uh, you know, the Eskimos management about wanting to do something just... Um, you know, any time that uh, somebody in your organization passes away, it's it's tough. Obviously, it affects you know all the fans, the community, everything like that. But when you have a guy that was on the you know is on the Ring of Honor and uh, was just as impressive of a player, you know, as you can have. Um, you know, I was just reading. Obviously, I never watched him play, but just reading up on some of his accomplishments. You know, I think he's like second all time in interceptions, played in like nine Grey Cups or something crazy like that. Um, you know, and. If I'm not mistaken, I think he started in Vancouver with the BC Lions and then came here, which is the journey that I've taken as well. Um, you know, so I take a lot of pride in the number that I wear, um, you know, and, and I know that he must have as well. So to me, you know, it's our first game in Commonwealth uh, with him no longer, you know, 
with us. And so I just felt it was appropriate for nobody to be wearing that number just to pay a little bit of respect, um, you know, for everything that he did. We always say once an Eskimo, always an Eskimo. So, um, you know, I just wanted to, to pay a little bit of tribute to him for that. He really was a freakishly good athlete. Like yeah. World class. Yeah, I mean, he was playing teams. offense and defense yeah. and special teams and all that sort of stuff. So uh, he was probably moving around a little faster than the current 13 is. But, uh, you know, it, yeah, just reading through his accomplishments. I mean, when, when I first started playing here and, and was obviously going to be 13, you know, I saw his name right over there. And, you know, I wanted to know more about it. So I, I read up on him and I knew that he was a pretty amazing player. Um, you know, so obviously I never had the chance to meet him in person. But, um, you know, I just I would I would hope that, uh, you know, if I was to get to a level like that someday, I, I would hope that somebody would pay me a little bit of respect like that, too. Um, so it was a no brainer for me. At, this, at CFL week, you met Warren Moon, right? Yes. Um, did you have a chance to kind of talk about the, the era he played in here and, I mean, and both teams? Or? <laughs> I, I talked to him about a lot of different different things um, I mean they were on such a different level that I almost didn't even want to talk to him about it because I was like it's impossible to do now um, but just I did talk to him just a lot about you know the championship mentality and even when he was here a couple of years ago uh, when they were putting uh, Hector um, on the the ring of honor and, and uh, Warren was here you know he just had a a, a short couple lines to say to me and he just said go out and win a championship that's what we do here in Edmonton you know and that kind of stuck with me and that's uh you know it was the following year I think that was in 14 when he told me that and in 15 we were able to win one but I, that's always stuck with me um the guys that played in that era um you know they built what we have now and so uh, whether it's Warren or Larry or any of the other players during that that time period those are guys that I have a tremendous amount of respect for this is going to be pretty rare, Mike. Dwayne doesn't give out number zero. Buttons. Yeah, you know, and I haven't worn a different number other than 13 um, since I was in high school, you know, and so that was only a few years ago, right? But uh, I played a lot of football in the number 13, um, you know, and it's a number that's really important to me, but uh, this is bigger than that. So, um, you know, I'll be happy to, to wear a different number, um, you know, and like I said, if nothing else, hopefully it gets people talking a little bit about Larry and, and reminding them of his accomplishments. Mike, sorry if you've been asked this, but why do you wear 13? Uh, Dan Marino. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I watched football all the time when I was a little kid, and I don't know if my dad was just trying to get me to be quiet or what, but we were watching a game on Sunday, and the Dolphins were playing, and, and they were losing, and I wanted to go somewhere, and he said, well, if, if Miami wins this game, then, yeah, we'll go. And... Uh, Miami came back and I was cheering for him the whole time and Dan Marino was just killing it and brought him back and won the game and I was like, I mean, I was probably like five or six years old. I was like, that's that's my favorite player ever and I watched him all the time. I went and watched playoff game in Seattle, the second to last game of his career and, you know, I just, I loved it. His knees were busted up. He couldn't move out of the pocket. Everybody knew they were going to throw the ball and he still just was out there throwing lasers. So um, that's why I wear 13. So some thoughts from Mike Riley on why he wears 13, why he's giving up number 13 for the game on Sunday, honoring the late Larry Highbaugh. Inside Sports on 630 Chad, you can always reach me by texting 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can also email insidesports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. It's R-E-I-D. W-I-L-K-I-N-S. So that was the quarterback, Mike Riley, not one of the pugilists at practice today. Morley Scott with an update on that when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. 
Got a cool story here from Herb on the text line. He says, Larry Highbaugh used to come around to the junior high school to teach kids about what it takes to be a top athlete, and he played against the entire volleyball team. Just him against the entire team. Great memory. That is from Herb, who, uh, Herb, I assume you were either a student or uh, a teacher in the late 70s or early 80s when uh, Larry Highbaugh was an Edmonton Eskimo. Good stuff. Thanks for texting 630-630. Kelly Rudy is going to join us later on tonight. Former NHL goaltender, now works with Hockey Night in Canada. He'll give us some thoughts on how the Predators have been able to tie the series against Pittsburgh. He'll also let you know what he thinks about uh, P.K. Subban, who's always a much-debated figure in the hockey world. But keeping with the Eskimos talk here as they get set to take on Calgary Sunday after taking on each other today at practice. Morley Scott, the play-by-play voice for the Green and Gold. Morley, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. A lot to talk about from uh, Eskimos over the last couple of days. We just heard from uh, Mike Riley, and I've, I've told this story a few times. Uh, I, I, was, I was filling in for Dan Tenser on Inside Sports the night Riley was signed, and I got to interview him. First mm-hmm. time he was interviewed on Chet as an Eskimo and I remember Dan texting me right after and saying, man, I wish I could have done that because he was just always so polished and the way he presents himself is so thoughtful and, and approachable. And you, you, I mean, you hear that again today. What you just heard was incredible. I, I, I listened to it a couple of times already earlier this afternoon and I just kept thinking, man, he always says the right things. He always says the right things. The way he, he first he paid respects to Larry Hybaugh, who... Uh, he never met, never saw a play, but because he wore the same number that Mike wears on the same team Mike plays for, he felt it was important for him to go find out about the history of this player and realize what a great player he was, and then came up with the idea himself that I'm not going to wear my number 13. I'm going to wear something else out of respect for Larry Hybaugh for this game, uh, which is fantastic. And then the conversation kind of swung over to him meeting Warren Moon. Uh, at CFL week, and he had some great things to say about Warren Moon, and then finishes off talking about why he wears number 13, which is which is uh, because of Dan Marino. And it's a great story about you know watching the game, and his dad promising him something if the Dolphins win, and Marino leads him back, like he said. And ever since then, he was his favorite player. So uh, I I just I just think there's I've talked to a lot of professional athletes in my time, and uh, he's probably at the top of the list for being the most accommodating, most thought provoking, and best most well-spoken athlete that there is it doesn't doesn't come much better than mike Riley as far as interviews go it doesn't hurt that he's a really good player too and that's just <laughs> that's, a cherry on the top a, of the old cake for sure yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and he's pretty good at football so before we get into some of the other stuff he's gonna play what do you think a half on sunday a little more i, what do, I, I what think do you he might at? play a little bit more than a half they're flipping it around this year the, the standard tradition in the canadian football league is in the first game the starters play the first series maybe the second series and then they're out uh mike Riley hasn't played a long in the first game and then the rookies come in and the guys vying for jobs come in and then in the second game the veteran players will play into the half and then they want to do halftime adjustments with them and then they'll play a series or two in the third quarter and then they'll start to replace them at that point but because of the Eskimos preseason schedule they're going to flip that around this year because they play they get three days off and one of those days is an actual day off between games mm-hmm. so uh, between uh, their first and second preseason games so uh, they're going to play 
what they believe is their starters, or at least what their starters are at this point going into Sunday. And they're going to play the majority of the time, I believe. It hasn't, Jason Moss has only filled us in on part of the plan so far. Uh, and then they're going to bring guys in in the second half. And then in the, the second game in Winnipeg, which goes on Thursday, uh, they're going to let the guys who are vying for jobs go out there and fight. So you think Riley will even go? I think he'll go, but I don't know if he'll dress. He'll stand okay. on the side. He'll be like, uh, there's been a lot of preseason games where he's dressed, just stood on the sidelines listening to the play calls, talking to the quarterbacks and everything. Okay. I I don't think Darius Bowman will go. I don't think a lot of the veteran players will go to Winnipeg just because of the short time frame. I mean, they play on Sunday against Calgary. They get Monday off. They practice Tuesday uh, and Wednesday, and then they, they'll fly Thursday morning. Okay. So I just think they're just going to try and let the veterans have as much downtime as possible. Uh, and then they play nine days later to open up the season in, in Vancouver. So they've taken the travel off the plate of most of the veterans. Morley Scott joining us on Inside Sports. All right, three fights at, <laughs> uh, at practice today. We should say we, we don't want to blow this out of proportion. No. Because there are fights in football training camps. Not unusual. Um, but did anything strike you as extra heated or maybe a little bit unusual about the circumstances today or uh, the, how it was handled? The first one, the, the first one was, was pretty heated. The first one was really heated. It involved a lot of offensive, play, offensive line guys and a lot of defensive line guys. Uh, they were doing drills down in the end zone uh, at the, from our right in the booth. And uh, they got going. And then it, it slowed down and then it sped up again. And then they got going, going after each other again. And it's funny, I, I saw a helmet come over the top mm-hmm. and then I saw I think it was Justin Swords and got real angry and started chasing somebody and and then I then as they dispersed I was kind of surprised it was basically the first and first team line from from the defense and the offense. So it was the veteran players who were So it wasn't guys fighting for yeah, spots. Yeah, he's not fighting for jobs. We're tough. Uh, this is <laughs> also it's day 11. And it was 27 degrees. So I think guys were hot. Guys were were agitated. Guys haven't been able to hit anybody as hard as they want to uh, for, uh, you know, almost two weeks now. They're really looking forward to playing a game. So I think that played into it, too. It's funny. We're sitting in the booth watching, and we go, fight, fight. You know, so everyone's watching it, right? And then it all simmers down. And Blake Dermott was there today, and he goes, I bet there'll be another one in less than five minutes. And about four and a half minutes later, there was another one. Uh, he said, I told you, it always happens that way. And then later on... Same the guys? Uh, yeah, offensive D-line guys again. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple okay. other different guys in the mix at that point. Okay. Uh, and then uh, a little bit later on, uh, we saw the old uh, the old uh, face mask to face mask, you know, butt heading, uh, headbutting each other uh, between uh, John White, who was in a drill with uh, Trent Matthews, a linebacker, and uh, they had to be separated as well. So, uh, so it was, wasn't a full-on fight wasn't necessarily. wasn't a full-on fight. There, there might have been a punch or two thrown in the in the whole thing, like in the three combined. Uh, but there was lots of pushing, lots of shoving, and I'm going to guess a bad word or two. Just just, just one or two. How would Coach handle it? Uh, he said, you know what, that's to be expected. Uh, he said, you know, we've been going for a long time. We've been going hard, and fights happen in training camp. Quite frankly, I think everyone would be surprised if you didn't get a day like this in training camp. After the third one, though, he, put, he cracked the whip, and he said, listen, that's it. Anybody fights now, it's like a game. You're kicked out. You won't be in practice. And if you're not in practice, you don't get reps. You don't get reps. You don't get noticed. And it calmed down at that point. And then they had the, uh, Moss was saying at the end, they had the drills. Odell Willis was talking about this too. They finished up real strong. No penalties in the in the uh, offense versus defense drills at the end of the game. Uh, they had a real strong finish to, to today's practice. So everything's forgotten. There were guys, well, you know. It's funny. We're talking Odell Willis, and he starts talking. And then you hear the beacon. And then guys like this. And Tony Washington was walking by, and he said, 
says, guys like Tony Washington talking to us, and then Washington sticks his head and goes, if you touch me one more time, right? And then they kind of laughed and had a chuckle and a hug, and right. everybody went home happy. Well, and uh, good for Moss for handling it that way, because, I mean, he was as emotional as anybody as a player, oh. so he knows when guys have to I'm blow sure he had off a few steam. of those. Yeah, but, I mean, he also knows you're right, there's a point where you have to draw a line and says, if I let you act like this in practice, then it's on me if you take it. I mean, yeah. there's a point where it's on the coach yeah. if a guy does something stupid in a game. Absolutely. So right. he had to tell him. And, and, and take this with a grain of salt, but Blake Dermott, who's a retired offensive lineman, said he was talking to <laughs> another offensive lineman, and between the two of them, they decided it was the defensive lineman's fault. Right. <laughs> Imagine Blake saying that. All right, so uh, they're back out there tomorrow? Yes, they are. Another two-a-day session. Uh, coach gave them half a day off. I, this is another thing i like to address, too. They got a day off yesterday, right? That's but they what, didn't, actually. Well, though. no, but that's what they were all calling it. We got the day off. But all they had to do was go to morning meetings, do half a practice, uh, then go to afternoon meetings and evening meetings. But they got a, half, they got a day off. And that's, how, that's how hard you work at training camp. I mean, you get a couple of extra hours off, and you think you got the whole day off, right? So uh, they, he gave them the day off yesterday like that. Took him, basically, what they didn't do was the real physical aspect of the day's practices. He wanted to save their strength for today uh, and tomorrow, which are the final two two-a-day days scheduled on training camp camp uh, in training camp so they did two days today they'll do two days tomorrow and then it'll be down to single shorter practices and again i say they call them two days but they're just really one long practice because they're two practices with a 10 minute break in between them so it's not it's not much it's just a long day for them they'll, they'll go a shorter distance the rest of the way leading up to the games morley thanks for sticking around always a pleasure Reed. that's morley scott play-by-play voice for the edmonton eskimos here on 630 ched you will hear him calling a game on Sunday, 3.30, pregame show here on Ched, 5 o'clock for the kickoff playing against the uh, Calgary Stampeders. It'll be the second preseason game for Calgary, first for the Eskimos. Head coach Jason Moss commenting on today's fiery practice. Yeah, I mean, when you get, uh, you know, into camp, deep into camp, and there's always going to be something that happens, and we had a couple instances today, but um, the good thing is after I discussed, talked to both sides and told them the rest of the practice, if they do it again they'll be kicked out of practice we're going to treat it like a game from here on out there was not one incident so that's what i like to see i like to see our guys disciplined focus um intense and aggressive is what we love love about our team anyway so that i'm not too worried about football is a very physical grinding sport and when you do it as much as we do practice wise you know things are going to come to a head uh you live in a hockey town so i mean we're all no one's oblivious to freaking fighting in here and uh but like i said discipline's discipline and after we had the talk no one you know went stepped out of line and i thought we finished the practice on a great note so are you overall pretty happy with what you saw after the reward day yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. I think the guys came out and gave as much effort as they had in their bodies. Um, mentally, we put in some new stuff, some hard stuff. So I think, you know, if there was mental bus, I, I'd put it on that more than anything. But I thought physically the guys brought it today. Obviously, if you're energetic enough to fight, you're, you're probably in a good spot. There we go. Good uh, summary there by Jason Moss. And I think. Let the, let the guys get some of that frustration out of their system and then said, now anybody does it, you're out. Because if you fight in a game, you'd be out. Coming up to the 6.30 news with the one and only Kyle Morris. You'll hear some of those inflammatory Brian Burke comments after the news as he uh, kind of delivers a message to Calgarians about the need for a new rink and football stadium, quite frankly, for the city of Calgary. Kelly Rudy ahead, and we'll catch up with Jen Kish from the Canadian Women's Rugby Sevens team. Proud Edmontonian. Played through a tough injury a couple of weeks ago in BC. We'll give you that story. 
Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, will Jordan Eberle be an Edmonton Oiler a month from now at the start of the season? That's one of the big storylines going into this offseason in the NHL. Of course, there are two, maybe three games left in the Stanley Cup final, but rumors continue to swirl that uh, Jordan Eberle will be traded. That would not surprise me. I know there's a lot of scuttle about the New York Islanders being a destination. We're also going to find out in a couple of weeks who the Oilers lose in the expansion draft and then who they draft. And we'll have coverage of the draft from Chicago on Friday, June 23rd and Saturday, June 24th here on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins at 635. You can always text 630-630. Our open line number 780-496-0063. Here are some of the uh, things you need to know about tonight. Game three of the NBA Finals will tip off in about half an hour. Golden State at Cleveland. The Warriors up two games to nothing. Little footy action tonight. FC Edmonton in the NASL playing at the New York Cosmos. Halftime, the Cosmos up 1-0. They got a goal in injury uh, injury time in the first half to take the lead there. The Blue Jays won this afternoon 7-4 in Oakland. A 10-inning victory in the 10th inning. Josh Donaldson hit a two-run homer. Justin Smoke added a solo shot to make the difference in that game. Boston taking on the Yankees. Yankees up 5-0 in the middle of the fifth. The Blue Jays 29-31 on the season. Five and a half back of the first place Yankees. Now a Boston win tonight would tie them with the Yankees for first in the division. But as I mentioned, the uh, Yankees up 5 nothing. Chris Knobloch, and if you missed him on Oilers Now today, I recommend you go uh, check out the podcast on 630Ched.com. Chris Knobloch, who'd been coaching the Erie Otters for the last few seasons, he was the uh, coach when Connor McDavid was there. 50 wins or more, four straight seasons in the Ontario Hockey League. They uh, lost the Memorial Cup final, obviously, this season to Windsor. He's been named an assistant coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. Chris, 38 years of age, strong ties to Edmonton. He played for the U of A five seasons from 99 to 04, helped the Golden Bears win the University Cup in 2000. So he makes the jump to the NHL. Definitely a a hot young coach. Wouldn't be surprised if... uh, wouldn't surprise me to see him as an NHL head coach perhaps in the next three to five years. We'll see while that plays out. Those are some of the uh, highlights from the scoreboard and the newswire today presented by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. You can visit crystalglass.ca. So it's interesting keeping an eye on what's going on down the highway with the uh, debate and discussion and all that stuff for a new arena and they want to do a new football stadium in Calgary as well. I mean, uh, Edmonton got the 2018 Grey Cup. Calgary bid for it as well simply so they could say, oh, hey, we didn't get it. We need a new football stadium. Uh, They knew they weren't going to get it. We knew Edmonton was going to get it. So Edmonton gets the Grey Cup in 2018. Uh, So Brian Burke, who has never been afraid to speak his mind, president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames, was uh, speaking at a luncheon today for the Canadian Club of Calgary. So a business lunch and he, he had a lot to say I'm not going to play the, the, the full thing but I got a couple highlights here here's one of the things he said early on See, our view is that the Calgary Flames don't need a new building our view is that the city of Calgary needs a new building and frankly uh, when we put out Calgary next I was personally amazed that the city didn't say thank you let's do it you know, you gotta love how he words things eh What's once we put out the Calgary Next proposal, which remember was for which was for the the rink and then the big field house where the Stampeders would also play, 
Burke just comes out and says, well, why was there, he's basically saying, why is there a debate? You should have just been thanking us for having the idea. Of course, it, it didn't play out that way. Burke also, and and you might have to listen a little closely here, but you can't, you can hear it. He got into it an exchange with, uh, with one of the, 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 with a man who was at the luncheon and the, the man's point was basically because Burke, you know, kind of made that, well, we'll take the flames and go play somewhere else comment if, if we don't get a new rink. Um, and, and the guy basically said, well, where are you going to go? So anyway, here's, here's how, how that kind of played out. And you're saying you don't care if the Calgary Flames leave. No, I'm not necessarily saying that. Where would they go? I don't know. Who else is going to bid to it at all? Your, like, we have some of the highest average ticket prices in the NHL. They're top 10, right? And you don't, th- you don't think we could find a place to go? You're, with a straight face, you're saying that? Yeah, I am. What do you mean? What about Seattle? Let's see. Quebec, let's see. Oh, yeah, they have a brand new building that meets NHL standards. Quebec. Quebec. Yeah. Okay, you just said we had nowhere to go. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what I'm saying is, if, if your attitude is, if, no, if, if, if I get this. We, we don't like being under the threat, and I'm saying that. Well, wait a sec. What Ken King said was, we're not going to make a threat to move. We're just going to move if we don't get the deal we need. So and you're saying that's fine. No, I, I'm not saying that it's fine. Well, you just said Murray Edwards should pay for the building himself. It's an option, but anyways, I want to thank you for answering my question. Well, no, let's just go back. So let me let me just focus on the just on the withholding on the players in Alberta. Sure. Federal and provincial withholding is fifty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You want to see that walk? No, not necessarily. Okay. So how many years do you have to stay, say if half of that went to the province and city, say $25 million a year, how many years does the team have to stay to pay for half of a new arena? Ten. So the math works fine. They figured it out in Edmonton, but we're smarter here. They figured out public money is useful toward rejuvenating downtown and making a statement and keeping jobs, but we're smarter than that here. They figured it out in Manitoba, but we're smarter in Alberta. No, it's not just my view on this. Taxpayers all over Canada have figured this out. Municipalities all over Canada have figured this out. You know, Brian Burke seems like one of those types of guys, if he goes to a restaurant and he wants you to bring him a bottle of ketchup, he doesn't just ask for the bottle of ketchup. He tells you to bring the ketchup or he's going to burn down the entire restaurant. That's just his demeanor. You know, it's it's interesting uh, listening to that. I thought it was an interesting exchange with with the with the fan there. The Flames uh, subsequently put out a statement. Actually, Ken King, who's the president and CEO of the Flames, uh, in response to Burke's comments today. Here's what King said. Brian Burke runs hockey operations for the Calgary Flames, and he and many Calgarians have strong views about this topic. However, he is not our spokesperson regarding a new event center for our city. We remain committed to our dialogue with the city and are very optimistic we will get to a positive conclusion. We admire everyone's enthusiasm on this subject. Uh, So it's uh, interesting that Ken King put that out, basically saying... Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Brian Burke is is wh- whether it's hockey operations or business operations. If you just looked at the Flames organizational tree, he's one of the highest ranking people that they have. Uh, and Ken King basically coming out and saying, "Don't listen to him," despite the clout that he that, that he carries. You know what, guys? I, I've changed a little bit when it comes to arena negotiations. I think uh, part of it is because of what 
we went through in Edmonton, and, and I, I covered that to some extent. I was not the host of Inside Sports when that was going on, uh, but I was the producer of Oilers now through much of the arena debate. And I, I was full on board that Edmonton should have an arena and it should be downtown. Um, I mean, to summarize, I've gone through this before. Do I think it was a perfect deal for either side? No, which means it's probably okay in the end. I just have this to say when Brian Burke talked about moving the team, guys, and I imagine some of you probably aren't going to like that I'm going to put it this way. Um, but here's how I've come to feel about it over the years. When a, when a team insinuates or outright threatens that, that they're going to move if they don't get a rink or, or a field or a stadium or, or something that they want, guys, we got to be realistic here. That's not a threat. That's just a reality. And whether you like it or not, that's how the world of sports and the business of sports operates. And I think that's difficult for us to separate that in our brains. I was talking about this a couple weeks ago with something else. I can't remember what, what, what topic it was. Oh, no, it was a, it was a, it was a few days ago when, um, when we were talking about what the fans want from, from officiating. And, and I was saying that the bottom line is the NHL is looking at sold-out rinks in Edmonton and is probably saying to itself behind closed doors, why do we care what the fans in Edmonton think? They're paying a lot of money to go to hockey games, so they can't possibly actually think that the product needs fixing. And I think that's what it comes to. Whether you like the business model of pro sports or not, it is the business model that we have arrived at after about 150 or so years of pro sports. If you go back to the birth of the major leagues in the late 1800s in the United States and now 100 or so years of having the National Hockey League. So when Brian Burke or someone associated with a pro sports team says, you know, we really hope to get our way because if not, we'll just find a city that will give us our way. Quite frankly, guys, that doesn't upset me anymore. That, that, does, that does not upset me anymore. That, that's just how that world operates. And, and I, I'm going to be blunt here, and I, I may offend some of you, but if you're sitting around and getting your, your socks in a bunch because Brian Burke says that or because Daryl Cates made, made his Seattle trip you know, while the Edmonton discussions were going on, my, my word to you is enjoy your little fantasy world where pro sports is, you know, something that is just for enjoyment where, you know, tickets should cost 25 cents and, and the athletes should sign autographs for three hours after uh, every game and play for free and, and all this kind of stuff. It just, it just doesn't work that way. So, I mean, from the Brian Burks stuff today, I just find it entertaining almost more than anything else. Sam G texting in. He says, hi, Reed. You got to love him. He is straightforward, though. Uh, Greg says, so lame, Reed. Everybody knows leaving is just a bargaining chip. It's pathetic. Yeah, well, it might be pathetic, but I mean, look, it's also realistic. Because you know what? Ultimately, if the relationship breaks down to that extent, don't fool yourself. The, the Flames would leave Calgary. The Flames would leave Calgary. And I, and I, I don't know if Daryl Cates would have ever been the owner of an Oilers team that left Edmonton, but he might have sold them to somebody who might have taken them to another city. You know, he might have said, well, I'm not going to move the Oilers, but I, I, don't, I don't think this is going to work for me, so I'm going to sell them. And, I mean, if you actually don't believe that, I actually think you're living in a fantasy world. Like, you know, I actually think that you, you think that, you know, we should go back to uh, 
uh, you know, the Montreal Wanderers being in the league and having a four-team NHL and and players getting influenza in 1919, so the Stanley Cup has to be uh, not, not... The Stanley Cup Finals not competed for that year. It's not finished that year. And we go back to infields in Major League Baseball that aren't even, and guys wear little gardening gloves for gloves. I mean, basically, you need to go back to about the turn of the century if you're freaking out because Brian Burke said that. Is, do I want the Flames to leave Calgary? Absolutely not. Do I expect... I'm at the point, and maybe this is the fact that I'm you know, now a middle-aged human being, and I've, I've seen some stuff go down in my life, either personally or from following sports. I expect arena sl- or building negotiations, whatever, to be ugly. I expect them to be extremely ugly. I, 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 I don't know what else you could possibly expect. I mean, look what's going on. You know, how many times are the Raiders going to move? Probably every 15 to 20 years. You know, the Chargers are moving. To, I mean, it just, it's just going to keep happening. And, and arenas, fields, stadiums are often going to be the center of it. It's 647. We'll catch up with Olympic bronze medalist Jen Kish when we get back. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Get the latest on Bowman and the Eskimos on 630Ched.com. Some uh, skirmishes today at practice. You had the Morley Scott give us the lowdown on that. Mike Riley will wear number zero for the game on Sunday, out of respect for Larry Highbaugh who uh, passed away in March after Sunday's game. Riley will return to number 13 for the remainder of the season. You know, over the last couple of years, it's been fun to get to know Jen Kish, Edmontonian, key member of the Canadian Women's Rugby Sevens team for the last several years, helped them win a bronze medalist in uh, Brazil last summer. And the Canadian team uh, doing really, really well on the World Series circuit this year. Jen, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to get an update with you. And uh, there's a lot we have to talk about today. Let's start with the team stuff because the uh, the Canada Sevens, uh, look, I I would summarize this with one event left on the World Series, Jen, as probably a pretty successful uh, series so far. And you're coming off a second place finish on home soil, which must have been pretty rewarding. Yeah, to to be able to to play second after a fifth place finish and a sixth place finish um, the the past two years on home soil uh, was great. And we had you know Canadian fans there in front of us uh, cheering us on, and um, you know it was on TSN. Um, but to to be not be blown out by New Zealand in a final was a huge success for us um, because usually. We have Australia or New Zealand, and, and we don't show up to play those teams. Um, but we're trending really well this year, and uh, we're currently tied for second for the World Series with Australia. And um, we're hoping to, to win the series, but uh, it all depends on how the other teams do in the next stop. So give me a sense of how good New Zealand is. Uh, I mean, I think they've won four of the five events so far this season. So they're, they're, they're pretty good. I, I think the score in your game was 17-7. So it, it was a close game. But like, how difficult are they to play and potentially beat? I don't want to say they're unbeatable, but they're, they're pretty darn close, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're really tough. And um, they're really good. They're so good, in fact, that they were missing five of their top players and still won a tournament. Um, it just goes to show that their development is in the right direction. And as a, 
as is ours. But, um, you know, they, they started playing the game a lot younger than, than we have, and it's their national sport, so it's, it's not surprising by any means. Um, but, you know, they scored in the last the last minute of our game, so it wouldn't have been 17-7 if it wasn't for that last try. So, um, you know, we, we've beaten New Zealand before. It just depends on who, who's on that day and, and who's going to capitalize on uh, mistakes. Jen Kish joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Okay, you know, we've talked uh, several times over the last couple of years. Obviously, you, you had the Olympic bronze medal, which a lot of people celebrated. I know after that, you had to get over a neck injury. You referenced uh, the big final series event coming up in France at the end of the month. But uh, for you, unfortunately, uh, another injury has uh, has derailed things a little bit for you personally. What's going on, Jen? Yeah, basically, I um, ended up, uh, fracturing uh, my pelvis in the last tournament and had no idea I did it until after the tournament. So I actually played two more games um, after I sustained the injury. And um, now I'm just focusing on recovering. And um, unfortunately, I'll miss France. But I mean, the bigger picture is the Commonwealth Games. And I, I know uh, the girls will do great without me. And uh, we have a great development um you know, development side as well, like up and coming players that are that are part of the team. And um, so I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's the nature of the beast, but uh, I'm, I'm just focused on my recovery. Okay, see, so how, hold on. You played two games with a broken pelvis. Well, it's fractured, but um, okay. yeah, well, I... It, 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 was, <laughs> it was a fairly bad, I mean, how much pain were you in? Uh, I was I was in a lot of pain. I was actually down um, for two minutes, and I was trying so badly to stand up, and I'm kind of, you know, peg-legging it um, for two minutes. And my team was, you know, they had we still had possession of the ball. So, fortunately, they ended up scoring with just six players, um, and then it was halftime. So then my coach was going uh, to pull me anyways at half, so it just worked out well. Um, and then, you know, I, he's looking at me saying, uh, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I, I think I'm just hurt. Like, I don't think I'm injured until, I, you know, after day one, I woke up on day two and I couldn't move my leg. And so after the adrenaline wore off, I, I was like, oh, I actually think I'm injured. But, I mean, when you get back into that stadium and you're playing in front of thousands of Canadian fans and you, you don't want to let your team down and you want to be able to show up and play, I mean, I think you can play through through pretty much anything i guess <laughs> okay well you did that so uh, how, how long of recovery here are you uh, anticipating when do you think you'll be back on on the field uh it's hard to say really because I, I still need an mri to see if i did any damage to my labrum um and hopefully fingers crossed i don't need surgery but i could foresee myself being back uh probably for our next stop after French, which is Dubai, um, but uh, if not then, then the new year for sure, and I'll be preparing for uh, the series and obviously the Commonwealth Games. Okay. Well, of course, we wish you all the best. We'll, we'll talk a, a lot along the way, but, uh, you know, great job at the uh, at the recent uh, stop in Canada and Langford, and we'll wish all the team the best, even though they're going to be without you in France, and have a great summer, Jen. We'll keep in touch. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Always great to have Jen Kish on the show. She missed the first World Series event. Canada didn't do great. With her playing, they got a win, a third, and two seconds. 
And now she's going to miss the sixth and final event in France, June 24th and 25th. New Zealand's going to win the overall World Series title. Canada and Australia tied for second. So whoever does better out of those two teams in France will get second place. But Jen Kish, who had to recover from a neck injury after the Olympics, now battling a fractured pelvis. And you heard it there. Yeah, no big deal. She played two games with the fractured pelvis. Tough or what? Kelly Rudy coming up next. Little Stanley Cup final chat. Inside Sports on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.